Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Trina Sideros, and I lead PwC's Health Research Institute. So before we get started, some news about me. I'm moving to the management consulting side to work with our transformation team on vaccines, mRNA technology, and other infectious disease-related therapeutics. This is something of a dream job for me. Anyone who knows me probably would guess that. So I'm really excited to start. Back in 2011, I was actually a guest on This Week in Virology, the podcast with Vincent Racaniello, talking about infectious diseases, vaccines, and other topics. And so it is a huge honor to be here now, a decade later, working in some measure on arguably some of the most safe and effective medical innovations ever invented. Excellent. And I am Igor Belakranitsky. I'm a principal in Strategy Ent. I help the leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. It is very exciting to welcome Trina to the client side of the business, just as she welcomed me to Next in Health, which is an HRI production. I'm looking forward to a lot more collaboration. And speaking of collaboration, our organization, PwC, has recently combined its legacy assurance and tax practices, forming trust solutions. And today we're very excited to welcome Laura Robinette, who leads the health industry sector within trust solutions. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Excited to be here today. Excellent. And we'll be speaking with Laura today about ESG, environmental, social, and governance considerations. They're increasingly moving from being a footnote in many of the reports to being front and center as health organizations increasingly focus on environmental, social, and governance issues in their strategies. The movement towards paying more attention and focusing more on ESG has started even before COVID-19 upended our business and society. In 2019, almost 200 CEOs of America's largest corporations signed the Business Roundtable's 2019 statement, which declared that companies should serve not only their shareholders, but also deliver value to their customers, invest in employees, deal fairly with suppliers, and support the communities in which they operate. And now we're seeing that investors and shareholders are asking for more transparency around ESG and regulators are starting to look for ways to standardize and define the ESG reporting requirements. Those have not been fully defined yet, but we're expecting them to come soon. And these ESG metrics will play an increasingly larger role in making business decisions for health organizations. Now, today we want to specifically focus on ESG when it comes to deals. And we've spoken in previous podcasts about the increasing deal flow. And so today we want to zero in on the role that ESG plays in deals. That is why we have Laura with us today. So Laura, as you think about ESG, how does it enter into deal-related conversations? How does ESG show up in those conversations? Well, you know, I don't want to repeat some of the things that you just mentioned, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say that all the signs are pointing to the fact that ESG is not going away. Companies considering deals are really focused on ESG topics, and they're going to increasingly need to be considered as part of any deal strategy. We're seeing continued announcements from regulators, investors, and governments we also see a handful of action groups that are forming with voices and perspectives on certain elements of ESG. And these action groups really have influence. Companies should really be considering this and how they want to present themselves to potential investors or deal-making partners. 
whether it's a potential collaboration agreement, a merger, a divestiture, or even an IPO or SPAC transaction, due diligence is extending itself into new and different areas, including ESG. Across the board, we're seeing a focus on ESG and how companies are integrating certain metrics into their financial reporting. For example, Big Pharma and other mature companies who are much further ahead on their ESG efforts are now starting to ask those companies that they deal with, like CROs that are supporting their clinical trials or biotechs that want to collaborate with them about ESG. Clinical trials are also becoming more complex as there's an increasing focus on factors such as diversity and inclusion, rare diseases, decentralization, access to healthcare increasingly important includes access to clinical trials. Another great example we've seen played out very prominently is access to vaccines and how patients get their information, how they understand the steps required. Do they have transportation to get a vaccine? It's all very interesting that in the current market with all the labor shortages, companies really have been drawn to mergers and acquisitions to solve some of their labor issues. They've found that by acquiring technology or skilled labor, they've been able to take care of those labor shortages. However, it can become circular very quickly if those target companies don't have the same ESG qualifications that match So, Laura, it sounds like during the deal-making period, it's actually a time of heightened vulnerability for companies, that there's a lot of scrutiny from regulators, from politicians, from the public, from employees, looking at these issues that we can kind of bucket into the ESG buckets. And so I would think that you could almost say that this is a time of vulnerability for companies, this period that involves some kind of deal-making. And so I'm wondering when you're describing all of these different things, all these different issues that different groups can be looking at, it could feel like this very open-ended project to kind of consider all these things. So I'm wondering, can you talk a little bit about what we're counseling companies to do and think about during this period? How do you rationalize all of this? And also, what risks do you think are underappreciated during this period of time by companies? The market for deal-making just continues to be extremely attractive for health industries companies, particularly around IPOs. And yes, we continue to see a lot of SPACs. As companies are formalizing their governance as part of their deal, they really should fold ESG into their project plan. How ESG will be reported, which framework will be used, which systems and controls can be relied upon within the company to produce ESG reporting? What is the data collection process? And how's the accuracy confirmed? We're advising companies to start this journey now. Additionally, we're starting to see investors and funds request a whole new level of specificity, including following a certain ESG framework. For example, certain investors, which are largely the PE firms, request not only an ESG report, But they're also dictating which framework is followed, such as the TCFD or the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Laura, as we look at some of the deals that have gone bad recently because of some of these ESG issues, what do you think organizations can learn from that to avoid some of their own issues? Well, it's really hard to predict the hot buttons that an investor may have when they're entering into a deal. But companies who are not educated and prepared for this part of the diligence 
are quickly learning that it's very essential to the deal execution. The lack of a formalized plan or structure can quite literally be a deal breaker. Most companies have executed certain parts of ESG, like the importance of diversity and inclusion. They might have done some of their own diligence with suppliers and customers, but they probably have not gone so far as to think through a measurement process. What are the KPIs or a reporting framework? And companies are quickly realizing that stakeholders care not just about what they say, but what they do. And the companies need to be able to communicate this in a credible way. So, Laura, it sounds like to me, okay, we've got all these folks talking about ESG. We're talking about it. It's in the air. So I would imagine that corporate boards and health organization boards are super eager to talk about this. Is that true or is it a real variety of interest? What are you hearing from clients and from organizations? That's an interesting one. I think we're seeing across the board different levels of interest with boards. A lot of it has to do with the tenure of the board, but it also depends on the stage of the company's ESG efforts, which industry they operate in, and most important elements of ESG for that industry. I mean, across the spectrum, boards are looking for more education and awareness of the growing public perceptions on the company's efforts. For example, companies that have an international footprint have already had to establish KPIs, controls, and processes to begin to comply with ESG reporting requirements in those international territories. That does include U.S.-based companies with an international footprint. However, less mature companies, take for example those that recently became public through an IPO or SPAC, they may not have even published their first 10K, much less a sustainability or corporate responsibility report. They may not be aware of the MSCI ratings on ESG, including the key drivers of risk, which will need to be reported or at least understood. So, Laura, it sounds like these executives and boards are trying to take a wait-and-see approach. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think it is right, especially for the smaller, privately held boards and executives. However, we're seeing that those companies are constantly surprised at the level of diligence and reporting that's required when they begin their journey towards an IPO or SPAC. And they really have underestimated the time and level of reporting that's expected before becoming a public company. It would be a whole lot easier if there was a framework that was established and adopted in the U.S., similar to what's been announced in the international community. However, there already is a lot of information that's being published by companies as part of their public reporting. And while it remains different by industry, it really is worth more time and education for boards and company executives given the public perceptions and the importance placed on ESG. So Laura, what can be done now even for those who want to take that wait-and-see approach? Are there some no-regrets types of moves that they could take? I think it's really a great time to go ahead and have the strategic discussion on the measures and metrics and take the time to consider which measures highlight the organization's vision, their values, and even their brand. Similar to PwC's own diversity and inclusion transparency report we released in 2020 here in the U.S., there may be metrics where an organization does well and also areas for improvement. And if you take the time for this discussion now, it allows you to really think through the multiple stakeholders 
your customers, your employees, your potential investors, and better understand what those constituents find important. What are their reactions? Companies should really use this as an opportunity to build trust. If you have that trust, it's much easier to respond to an unintended consequence or the improvements that need to be made. If you're forced to simply quickly react to the changes, we're seeing that companies have a much more difficult path on a CSG journey. Well, it sounds like in a deal environment, it's never too early to start thinking about the ESG component of the deal and it's really not possible to spend too much time thinking about it. And certainly as there's more clarity around the rules that will govern the reporting of ESG, Laura will be the first one to tell us about those. So Laura, thank you so much for spending time with us today and telling us about the growing importance of ESG in deals. Thank you all so much. It was a real pleasure to be with you. I really appreciate you having me. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.